says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And back in the driver's seat or the co-driver's seat with me again is my good mate, 60s. How you doing, champ? Mate, very, very well. And we've got football coming up this weekend, which we're going to be talking about. Bit of news floating around, so let's get straight into it. Yeah, well, we got a... a Good uh, interview coming back up late in the podcast. Let's just jump into some big news that came out this week. Um, a lot of things we'll griping about last year, mate. It was a, a bit of a running uh, story on the tip sheet was the rule changes made for the 2021 season and how they were impacting the flow of the game. And the NRLs made some adjustments ahead of the 2022 season. So let's walk through them right now. Um, it was announced this week across NRL media, including the Parramatta Reels website, that the uh, rule changes are as follows for season 2022. Um, from inside your own 40 metres, so on your side of halfway, obviously 10 metres into it, um, no longer will you be getting six agains for infringements by the opposition defence. You will instead be getting a penalty. And the NRL has made that move in adjustment for what they pretty much uh, defined as a cynical or tactical advantage being made by defensive teams to slow down the ruck, reset the defence and control that arm wrestle. And that was something that was really obvious I feel like last year mate was those first uh, tackle or two on a kick return it was almost inevitable to see a, a massive slowdown on the ruck to allow that defense that kick chase the reset and get that uh, big surge from the play of the ball mate I could almost suggest that a club might have based a premiership <laughs> well, uh, you talk about that and that there's another change that was almost uh, yeah. reflective of that yes um, yes so uh, we'll uh, skip ahead to that one where they talked about the three interchanges. Um, previously to this season or prior to this season, we uh, were well aware that anything that went on report allowed for a free interchange in conjunction with the free, well, semi-free interchanges that were available via concussion protocols too, depending on whether a player passed or failed, obviously. So um, that was a, another sticking point last year where we saw, and like we're not saying the Eels were uh, exonerated of any manipulation of the system here, but... I feel like every team certainly tried using their advantage, but there were some that were uh, far more successful uh, to the point of maybe premiership glory at this. But the NRL has made this amendment to that rule that a free interchange will now only be granted in instances of foul play where the offending player is sin-binned or sent off. And as I just mentioned prior, the rule previously was that if a player was put on report, you got a free interchange. So that free interchange will no longer apply when players are placed on report. So that is an important change to that rule, and I feel like the correct one, because given that referees have been far more gung-ho, I feel like, with putting things on report in general, we did see an absolute insane uptick in free interchanges. And, I mean, obviously, as the jaded Eels fans we were, we'll look back to that loss against the Panthers in sudden death finals where there was a whole run of uh, free interchanges to the Panthers during the back end of that game. And I feel like this is a good change, but it, it, does, uh, it does need to be mentioned that even though this rule has been changed for the better, they haven't closed that loophole where if a player is still getting a free interchange for a symbion or a send-off, they can sub out and come back on immediately without, yeah. looking, without looking at being taken care of by medical or anything like that. So you can still manipulate that part of the rule. But still, it's a positive step, I feel like, 60s. Yeah, uh, we saw it, it was something like um, it was 16 interchanges Something like that that happened in that finals clash. 
mm-hmm. with the Panthers due to uh, uh, reports. And, so, and I'm honestly not upset at the Panthers in that regard because we we know in professional sports, if they're going to give you that loophole, teams will take advantage of it. So it, it was on the NRL to fix it, and they have to the the larger extent or that still loophole that exists for being able to you know tag a play in and out immediately once they do get that free interchange is a bit of a it's a bit con- not concerning but it's a bit annoying that they um overlook that it's still for the the vast majority of that loophole being closed up it is nice yeah and that's a referee's call as well not a not a team call in terms of being able to get that free interchange that Correct. they did for the players being put on report so yeah you know no no reflection of of teams coming up with something deliberately there because it it, it was entirely based on whatever the referee call was and um and just harking back to the um that six again call i've said so many times it's it's a rule that six again rule should never have been brought in and this is a step in the right direction um i just wish they'd correct it with getting rule of the rid rid of the rule entirely but uh who knows I, i might end up being happy enough with with this we'll see how the season uh plays out yeah but, um, I, I am willing to die on the hill that the six again change was something that sounded better theoretically even it didn't practice and at least this is a step towards normalizing that rule somewhat and allowing teams to or preventing teams from gaining that cynical advantage defensively um at least in terms of contesting the territorial advantage yeah yeah yeah. And so they're, they're really the two major changes. Um, there are two minor changes still. Well, the, the third one here probably isn't super minor, but they are uh, changing the uh, interpretation of injury stoppages. Um, now with the exception of head injuries or HIAs, uh, only a referee, touch judge, or the bunker is now permitted to stop play for an injury. And this is something that has directly affected <laughs> the Eels. Here we go. For, we're sound like, we'll sound like a broken record uh, here. <laughs> going, going back two final series to that game against Melbourne, um, and then obviously uh, all throughout last year, but now trainers will retain the ability to stop play when a head injury is, uh, has occurred, but medical trainers will have uh, only that uh, ability to stop uh, play, but they will continue to have unlimited access to the field at any time to treat a player, which is uh, largely in and of itself fine. Um, un- we have had issues in other grand finals not involving the Eels where trainers <laughs> have influenced the play. Uh, Canberra versus Roosters comes to mind, but that was a... Uh, sort of dealt with in its time too. But, yeah, this is an, another good step forwards. We've seen far too much influence from uh, guys that are ostensibly meant to be invisible on the field, right? They're not meant to be able to influence play the way they were. Um, and now, you know, with the, the focus on those head injuries still right at the forefront, they're able to stop play for concussions. And I'm sure there'll be, you know, cynical use of that interpretation still, but they've once again closed that loophole ever so much to uh, stop wholesale and widespread manipulation of that uh, interpretation. Uh, it makes me think that sometimes these rule changes are brought in just to provide a little challenge to the coaches. <laughs> you know, like, what can, here's, here's a little challenge for you. What can you do to get around this? Yeah, how much can you manipulate this change? Like, what, what's yeah. the worst you could do? Yeah, um, so yeah, yeah so. That, that's the uh, third change that was on the docket from the NRL this week, and the final change, uh, by far the most uh, minor, um, and it, I suppose I'm, I'm not really sure what it influences. It gives teams a little bit more uh, range of selection if something goes wrong during the week. But Teamless Tuesday, which has been uh, famously 21 players for several years now, has been bumped up to 22 players. So uh, 
I'm not sure what that means uh, in terms of the drop-off because it used to be two uh, 48 hours ahead and two an hour before kickoff. Um, so I'm not sure if it's like three and two or two and three, which way the order goes. Um, they well, don't they, won't they just keep the 18th man anyway so that the 18th man will stay as the 18th man for the for the match? So, uh, so you're saying that there'll be two 48 hours before, two before kickoff, and the 18th man is there just for the uh, yeah. that what was instituted very late in the season for free concussions or multiple cases of uh, foul play? Yes. Okay, yeah. so... That's uh, how we expect that one to play out then. So, yeah, on, on the whole, we've been pretty cynical ourselves, using that word again, of a lot of the rule changes in recent years for the sake of speeding up the game, almost for the sake of speeding up the game. But this feels like, a, by and large, a good half step backwards towards stabilising the product and taking away some of the ability to manipulate those rules. Yeah, I I don't really have anything negative to say about these rule changes Uh as you say, they look like they are corrective. And um, whilst that in itself is a reactive rule change, I think we were suffering from proactive rule changes. You know, proactive is normally a good thing. But I think there was a a change to the fabric of, of the game via what, the rule changes were before, especially with that six again. I mean, that that wasn't that was brought in entirely to reshape what was happening in the game because a couple of people felt that there needed to be some sort of change with um, defences and 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 making the game flow without a stoppage for a penalty. But as we saw, it it, it created a mess where there wasn't one before. So. I feel that this is good because it, it is, uh, it's a corrective uh, change. There are corrective changes. And if you let me be a cynical Cyril for a second, 60s, is there any reason why these changes couldn't have been instituted midway through last year? There's nothing groundbreaking here. A lot of this is the common sense uh, a sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, compromise on these rules that a lot of fans were pointing out could happen very easily. And here we are, fast forwarding to the you know preseason, just on the uh, cusp of season twenty twenty two. But I don't feel like any of these things are radical changes. They could have easily been implemented without changing the flow or or sort of rhythm of the season greatly last year. Yeah, I, I agree entirely because it, if they had been instituted earlier, then maybe we we wouldn't have been as pissed off with um, yeah. some of the outcomes. Honestly, and. I, these are all just very reasonable compromises on those rules that were, you know, implemented a while back. A lot of this just makes sense. And yeah, yeah it just it makes you wonder why we have to drag our heels to get this. And maybe there weren't enough focus groups polled or interviewed and whatnot. God knows what the uh, corporate process is for this uh, series of rule changes. But we just the- use the magic word and say COVID. And <laughs> say that, that, that does expedite that was- things, certainly, doesn't it? Um, yeah. But in the context of the Parramatta Eels, mate, do you think this makes much of a difference to how they're going to prepare for this season? I, I feel like we weren't particularly – we have never really been particularly adept at uh, manipulating those sort of rules for uh, the, the flow of a game, but these don't feel like they should influence us too much, right? No, I, I can't see any change in the way that we play. I can see benefits for um, not having to – deal with the w- way that other teams have played. So, um, I, I, you know. I am 
we, we know it's going to happen. There is going to be some drama around that injury stoppage change because at some point a player is going to have a serious injury that the officials will miss because the passage of play is so frenetic. So I'm hoping there's no reactionary backlash to that because I feel like on the uh, the greater weight of things, this is the correct move to have you know just the officials looking after that sort of thing. But um, yeah, that's probably the one thing there that might end up causing some controversy is that if and when a player has a serious injury that is missed for half a set um, by the officials, there's going to be some outcry from the fans of that team, understandably. Yeah, but we do have the advantage, don't we, that the uh, video match referee can... It, correct. Uh, they Hopefully the they've given greater purview to the bunker to be looking at that. And that's like yeah, definitely and, one of their you, you know mission state like core mission statements for the games this year. Yeah, and you've got several pairs of eyes with the bunker anyway. So I wonder. I mean, you almost it almost be with merit to have a medical professional appointed to the bunker, and that is literally their role within the bunker is to look at that specifically. But who knows? Mm, yeah, it's um, it, it is a it's a grey area and. Again, you maybe you don't want too many eyes looking for a reason. Yeah, I mean, too many. Yeah, a lot of too many, like all those idiom. Uh, what's it called? Uh, idioms and, and sayings. You know, too many cooks, not enough. Uh, or too many cooks and too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, when you, the more you, the more resources you pour into a thing, sometimes the more convoluted it gets. Right. So there is a certainly a tipping point when it comes to that. And let's just give these rule changes a chance because, like we said, by and large, this is what we wanted to see as fans of the product and not just the Parramatta Eels. 100%, yep. All right, and that's a nice little wrap-up on those rule changes for season 2022. Let's uh, jump into something we're a little bit more comfortable discussing with uh, every episode, it feels like, with the uh, Parramatta Eels training, mate, and you've been down there across the course of the uh, final stretch of the preseason, and you've had a chance to see uh, not only the NRL squad in action but some of the lower grades and also the NRLW. What's caught your eye? Okay, well, first of all, let me go to the NRLW. I was fortunate enough to be able to catch uh, an opposed session that they did at Kellyville last Saturday. Now, they have had to train all over the place during this preseason. There's a bit to do with COVID and gym facilities and a whole raft of reasons why um, they've almost been a little bit of the training nomads with a, a couple of locations that they've been at. But what really impressed me was, first of all, there's great leadership within the group. And secondly, there, there is already just a, a, a great camaraderie. If I, if, if I can encourage people to have a look at the, at the girls uh, gathering around uh, Dean Witters, there's a video out there at the moment of, uh, in the gym and Dean's on the rowing machine, I believe it is, and the uh, the girls are all um, cheering him on, and you can you can just see. I, I think the video speaks for itself about uh, the vibe that's in the team. I can assure you, having having gone down there and, and watched them train in person, and and seeing the dynamic within the group, that this is genuinely a, a group of ladies that are well to to quote. Uh, what I had in the report that that, that uh, Samima said um, that it is they are living the dream in being able to play for the Parramatta Reels, and that was genuinely meant. And, and um, that yeah, was, a, it was if you were listening to this episode, of the tip sheet. Obviously, hopefully, you've listened to our chat with Mark O'Neill. 
that was something he really circled on, wasn't it, when he was talking about the NRLW and their potential for success, was talking about the culture they're creating within that team and how positive it has been. Absolutely. And and that's, as I said, that's real. And and also listening to Samima Taufa speak to the group about um, the type of football that they're playing in the opposed sessions and what they want to aim for and... And I'm not going to repeat her words because that's her to the group. But you just listen to it and there is a tremendous sense about the type of football that they are aiming to play. And I'm really looking forward to it. um, I I really think that we're sharp around the spine. We're not not afraid to shift the football and we're not afraid of the physicality. That's That's the main messages that I got from watching them go through their preseason paces. So it's um you know, it's still a short season, the NRLW. We're looking forward to it getting to the point in time where they'll start to play a home and away series with it. Perhaps that's something that'll come in where I'm guessing that they'll probably go to eight teams in a couple of years when they can bring the, the Warriors team. And do back the in. double double round robin format yep. home yep. and away. Yeah, and that they'll probably I mean, the the first step might be that they'll play that as as seven rounds and then final series. But then, rather than bringing in extra teams after that point, I reckon they'd go to playing it yeah as a home and away um, season, so it ex- extends longer. I mean, the they really have that consideration of of that the ladies aren't full time professionals and they're juggling jobs, they're juggling yeah. families, they're juggling. They're juggling studies. Um, it, it goes back to the pre-full-time professional, the semi-professional days in the New South Wales mm-hmm. Rugby League mm-hmm. before the NRL came into being. And um, and really, they're, they're playing, it seems, 100% for the passion for playing rugby league. And you, you see that in the way they play. You see that in the way they interact with each other. You see that in the... in um, I suppose it's it's their motivation for playing is the game itself. So, um, yeah, it's I can't recommend highly enough that the Parramatta supporters get behind our first NRLW team because I think there's going to be a bit of excitement in their season. And you mentioned Samima's name a few times there. I feel like she's going to be an important recruit for the squad because she's a real lightning rod in terms of being a leader through the middle and brings that big game experience too coming from the Roosters. So I think her alongside uh, another TCT favourite in Kennedy Charrington give the Eels uh, a lot of leadership through that uh, middle corridor. Yeah, and uh, Nita Maynard out of Dummy Half as well. She's a she's not only um, got that wealth of experience there, but she's also one of the leaders within the group. Yeah, well, and, and speaking speaking towards that, uh, Nita's one of five female All-Stars for the Parramatta Eels. Um, alongside star fullback Batil Vete Welsh. We mentioned Kennedy already. She's an All-Star. Uh, Nita, Josefa Daniels, and Tamima Kelly signs. Um, they're going to be playing on Saturday week out at Combank, formerly Bank West Stadium, but now Combank Stadium, uh, Saturday the 12th, uh, representing both the uh, Indigenous All Stars and the Maori All Stars. There's the footy is now upon us. That's all you can say. We've got the junior reps starting this weekend, and we're going to be talking with uh, Joey Grimer mm-hmm. about that. But then, of course, we've got the All Stars. Uh, we've got the trial then on the following weekend, the 20th, the trial against... It is, it is. Go, go, go from here on in. That. It's very exciting. So it, it, it's all happening. 
And, of course, speaking of all happening, it's the training is really starting to get to the pointy end at the NRL level. The When I say getting to the pointy end, you start to see a lot more opposed sessions that are going on uh, at Eels training. And I just want to clarify something. Um, I think um, people who would see training, maybe come and have a look at a training session during the season proper, and try to relate that to the preseason. They are completely different beasts. And just for example, you're not going to see during the season itself uh, an opposed session where the players really rip in in uh, in heavy contact three days before they play an NRL match. Like that's that just doesn't happen. So during the season itself, you'll see them doing a bit of opposed work and working through their um, their match plan for the weekend and if the forwards hit it up they might just ease into the tackle or the defenders might ease them down to the ground you're not going to see them coming in and whack their uh, opposition player unless it's a Murata Nikore who doesn't seem to know sometimes what um, what half measures are <laughs> because that's just how he plays the game um, but during a pre-season some of the contact that goes on out there starts to get pretty close to NRL level. I'm, I'm, there are times where uh, you'll see a hit and I'll, I'll let out an expletive watching it. Um, uh, case in point, the, the previous week with their big Friday opposed session where they'll, they get on the, the, uh, the jersey, so they, they fully kit up. And the first hit up was from Reg. And he took it absolutely flying off that first pass on the, on the try line charging up into into the defence and four players hit him with everything. I mean, absolutely everything. Now, <laughs> the, you, you would not, you wouldn't see anything more than that in an NRL game. There, I, I, I wish I could express that uh, any better. What, the only thing that might ha- that, is, that is a difference is that they're not going to give you, in a, in a pre-season like this, every week, 80 minutes of full contact like that because if you're doing that you're basically extending the season aren't you and you're really you really I think you'd be maybe even jading the players I don't know that, that just at a guess where it, where it would be intense like that for such a long period of time so what they tend to do is they'll have their periods of um, of contact opposed work and that might go for you know, like an un- uninterrupted period of, of 20 to 30 minutes at times. It, it might build up a bit longer over the preseason. They might play it in halves, even as they get towards the uh, the trial games. But um, they, they build up that fatigue via a bit of running, and then they'll hit their footy under fatigue. And that's that brings in that sense of, of playing under some NRL-type conditions in, in terms of the fitness and conditioning and being able to make effort on effort, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you of course, you get the uh, the opposed work where it's in contrived scenarios. Like, you know, they'll set up to have a scrum in the, in the, within the quarter or, or a penalty kick or, um, or deal with uh, defending off a line dropout, all, all those sorts of things. So you get... You get the coaches are able to manipulate the situations and practice doing certain things. But I can tell you, as I said, that the, the contact itself 
can be really, really demanding. And, I, and you, I'm starting to see that uh, ramp up at, at training at the moment. And I, I just wrote a report earlier this week about, uh, I mentioned how well Jake Arthur has been going. And to be honest, there's been sessions where he, he's, he's dominated the session. He has just been performing that well. And look, it's to an extent, it's caught me by surprise in terms of just how much he continues to develop at such a young age. And, um, and I don't want to put unrealistic expectations on him because I, I'm thinking they probably won't select him, even though he's been arguably the best or one of the best, if not the best uh, performer during the preseason. And the reason for that is that the incumbents there are two of the stars of the team who've given no reason for them to not have uh, their positions um, questioned, uh, that being Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown. So it becomes, well, where, where do you fit Jake in? Does he have a, a role off the, off the bench? Potentially, but then you've got to think, how do you structure your bench? And I, 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 and I wrote another post where I've given my tip for the round one team list, and I've gone from uh, for a dummy half uh, at 14 in Mitch Rain and three forwards on the bench. So, um, you know, but then again, last year BA did use Will Smith as an option off the bench. And he came on not just filling in at dummy half. He played like that third playmaker role, didn't he? Like a like a Cam Murray sort of role that uh, that he plays at South. Yeah, we, we definitely used uh, Smith as a small ball lock at times, um, looking to go up-tempo at the right time in game. So the that whole bench construction is a very... I mean, contentious in one way, but just difficult, isn't it? There's a lot of candidates, and you mentioned in your article, there's the likes of Kai Rodwell, Ovicky Ogden. You can go, I mean, an outside back is a popular option on the bench these days. We see quite a few teams carrying a sort of a centre wing utility on the bench, and if that's the case, Tom Opachik, as you mentioned, is a guy there. Um, so there's there's plenty of guys that are pushing for a spot, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see whether trials help shake this out because we've got a game against the Dragons and a game against the Panthers, I believe, um, in order to figure things out before round one. Yeah, so there's um, there's potentially, as I indicated, a bit of a selection dilemma for BA, and you know that there's going to be narcs that if at some stage he selects Jake, that there are people are suggesting, well, he's carrying the name. And I, I, I'm i here to tell you, he, he'd probably be the, you know, the harshest critic of his own son in terms of his expectations of how he'd play. Um, I think the opportunities will come Jake's way in a long season around injuries, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, as I said, it's it's un, maybe it's unfair of me mentioning it. I'd 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 probably held back from talking too much about Jake until this week, but I just thought after what after the the last two sessions that I'd seen, where he'd taken his football just to another level on the training paddock. I thought it's unfair if I don't give him a mention for just how well he's going. Now, I'm not going to just leave it with Jake because I want to talk about some other players. Wonga Blake is, I think he's having his best preseason. Well, it's almost his first proper preseason. The yeah. the poor man's carried a serious injury into pretty much every preseason he's had at the club. Yeah, and 
he's just looked like, um, I don't know, it, you, it's hard to put it into words because he just looks like he is primed. That, that's probably the simplest that, that, way. That's where he sort of left the season, wasn't it? It was... We, we mentioned it in the, the tip sheet last year. As the team struggled, he almost got better and better during that down that downturn across the entire team. And he sort of just – he found himself and he never looked back throughout the entire period right through the finals. And I really like his combination with Hayes Dunster. They – they I, I because of COVID um, protocols, the, the team – it used to be that we could we could go and, and watch the team train from a, a relatively close distance if they were on the the furthest oval from where we normally watch from and you'd get to you'd get to see and not just see but hear the communication that would be going on between the players you'd see some of the defensive movements the reading of the play a little bit better up close unfortunately where uh, watching from a, a greater distance during this preseason, so there's a few bits and pieces I'm missing out on, like seeing, uh, like hearing that the the actual communication itself. But you'd have to assume that the communication between the two of them is really good, both in attack and in defence, because um, it it looks like they've been playing alongside each other for a very long time. That's that's how it's appeared at training, anyway, um, and. Uh, and on the other side of the field, you've got um, uh, Simonson and Will Penasini, who um, look like they are going to be a major threat as a pairing as well. Um, Simonson is a great pickup for the club. He really is. He's um, he, he's got that combination of um, evasiveness and also strength, and he can cover more than just the wing in terms of um, the positions that he can cover in the back line. So he, he gives BA options if uh, BA is concerned about um, covering a, a, a position like centre or fullback with a less experienced player. He, he can have a less experienced player maybe on the wing rather than those other positions. It just depends on his thoughts on who he's looking at selecting and who the opposition is and, and how players are performing at that time, I guess. Um, I also want to mention um, Ice. Uh, Isaiah Papali'i is probably now at training starting to hit those levels that he hit through last year's preseason where... I, where I was saying, look, watch this bloke in the season. Mm -hmm. This is going to be something, and um, and I'm I'm now saying the same thing right now because I, I I don't have any question about whether he is going to be putting in in his last season with us. He's he looks like he's just going to um, take up where he left off, and uh, last season last season I think he's going to have just as big an impact and um, yeah, certainly he's he's been competing in the last couple of weeks in, in terms of standout uh, alongside Jake Arthur in, in terms of the impact that he's making in opposed sessions. He's really um, creating a bit of havoc out there with every carry that he's making. Um, who else I'd like to mention at this stage? Probably Makahesi. He, he, you know the the bloke with the big motor and the that blonde hair, 
Um, he's he he's this is his first full NRL preseason that I've seen, and I think he's going to really benefit from that. Um, he he's a tip for mine for being in there round one, especially with us missing uh, Murata from suspension. suspension. Correct. Yep. Yeah, and and I'm going to suggest. Nathan Brown might be pushing it to make it for round one. He's very confident I saw, himself. <laughs> I saw him post these back in the boots finally. I think um, earlier this week he got his first uh, running session back again, which is a big step forwards, but it does mean that he's racing the clock, doesn't he? Well, I'm just being conservative in that regard because um, the, you know, that, that sort of comeback from not just the, the injury recovery, but it's also the conditioning process that's part of it. So, uh, look, it might end up that he's that he's ready to go in round one. I mean, it's it's doubtful he's going to be part of any trials, I would think, and um, uh, with where he's at now and when the trials are taking place. And I suppose it depends whether BA feels that he can work back towards conditioning coming off the bench. But um, for now, I've gone with uh, Makahesi uh, off the bench but, um, you know, like, geez, we've got some options with the forwards and um, offer Hickey Ogden. Um, he, he's also um, creating a bit of a, an impression out there. So uh, there's been a lot to like. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, bring on the trials because that's when we start to see, um, you know, we can, we can look at the training and go, look, this is a really good session. And you, and you do get the feel about what's a good session and what isn't and where the, where the contact's really hard and and other times where um, maybe it's just a little bit off the pace. Um, I do mention if there's a bit too much drop ball for my liking at, at training. But, um, you know, this is they, they, they really do look sharp, but you always want to see how do they look against an opposition that's not familiar with them. And yeah, you know, it, it's funny because sometimes I look at the training at the opposed sessions and I think, well, they're running these plays against a team that knows exactly what the play is going to yeah. be. They're running, they're running a play against a against a defender who knows their idiosyncrasies and is used to seeing what they will do. So you think the defense, you know, that that creating a break within your own uh, training session is, is, you know, could be challenging. Um, so yeah, I, I look, I, there's different reasons that I like to see them against a different, uh, different opposition to, to help gauge how they're going. But, um, yeah, we've got that coming up pretty soon. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, one of the, probably the corollaries to what you're talking about of all these names that you're sort of uh, praising and, and talking about guys pushing for first grade selection is that it bodes well for the New South Wales Cup team, doesn't it? That they're going to have a lot of, uh, fit and hungry players looking to, force their way into the NRL? Well, I think last year showed that there were opportunities for people, whether they were on uh, an NRL top 30 or development contract or even some players who were on second-tier deals who were able to get a run because opportunities presented themselves and that they performed well at that New South Wales Cup level. Um, We know you and I have got a, a, a very high opinion of... Uh, coach uh, Ryan Carr mm-hmm. and what he was able to do with the team last year. Um, they really developed as as a team, it, it, in, certainly individually, as we just mentioned, but they developed as a team. And 
and that certainly issues that they had early in the year, they had a few issues defending out wide, they had young players that were um, playing again, playing senior football for the first time. All those young ones that had, that had graduated, um, you know, including Jake and, um, and Sean and Will, and uh, you also had uh, Solomoni, Naiduki, the, the whole lot of players that had played at the age level teams, but now were stepping up to um, their senior football. And, you know, they were coming up against some pretty decent opposition players that they would have been learning from. And, uh, yeah, as we've spoken about before, they were really warming into that season and had climbed to second on the table behind the Panthers. And from memory, I think they got beaten in the trial by the Panthers by something like 40 to nil. Um, So it was going to be a nice gauge of how much they developed as a team when they were due to play the Panthers in the very week that COVID shut the competition down. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think with us now having our own New South Wales Cup team rather than being in a in that joint venture, uh, joint venture mm-hmm. with with Wenty, that it just seems like we have um, a greater control over that development of the players coming through the pathways and up to that that sort of senior level. Yeah, it's uh, all coming to a head very, very shortly now with the NRL sort of, what is it? It's the 3rd of February as you record this, so it's a month and a week and a half away, I think. So it's uh, very much uh, ready to peak and it's very exciting. But uh, in the meantime, let's uh, move on, 60s, because we've got a visitor. Sorry, let me rephrase that. We have a guest to talk to, (laughs) visiting us digitally, I suppose. all right, 60s, it's time to put up the old, uh, well, the TCT equivalent of the bat signal into the sky. And while Commissioner Gordon gets a billionaire philanthropist uh, super detective, we've got something even better in Joey Grimer, who joins the tip sheet to talk all things Parramatta Eels. Joey, mate, this is an absolutely hectic time of year for you, so we sincerely thank you for taking the time to come on board and have a chat with us. How are you holding up, mate? Yeah, good morning, John. Morning, 60s. Morning, all to your listeners. And, uh, Happy belated uh, New Year's to everyone. I hope everyone is safe and, and um, a fun, enjoyable Christmas. Um, yeah, it's been a really difficult time, a hectic time, as you can imagine. Uh, and what exacerbates it is that we've got the start of round one and we've got um, three different uh, venues for our senior development squad, opposed to our SG Ball, opposed to our Tasha Gale and Harold Matthews. Um, so logistically, it's a bit of a challenge, but... Certainly um, not, no less excited. Now I'll get right into it, mate, because your time is at a premium. Uh, the final squads for those district representative teams that you've just mentioned have been announced, and indeed the round one teams are also being put up this week. It feels almost rhetorical to ask you this, but uh, I assume it was tough to make those cuts? It always is, Jono. Um, it, it really is. And um, our role as a club in Pathways Development and providing these structures is to ensure that we give everyone the, the best opportunity available um, to perform at their best, uh, both from a tactical and a technical and physical um, presence. So whilst it's difficult, um, it's something that's a necessary evil. Uh, we, we have a squad of around 35 to 40 players, and that doesn't go into 25, and the players are well aware of that. Um, but 
you know what, um, we give everyone the best opportunity uh, in playing a, a trial or two, and, and we're really focusing on their uh, mental application of training, which is a huge shift to how we've selected players in the past, two or three years ago. Um, we've got a, a philosophy of, you know, mental toughness and, 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 and um, you know, repeat efforts and things like that, which has been instilled by Brad at the NRL level. Um, but it's never easy when a head coach has to make those phone calls and tell a player um, that he's unsuccessful. Some take it better than others. Um, it, it can get quite emotional and sad. And the other ones, um, uh, there, there are some other times where the players use it as a challenge um, to better themselves and to go back to their junior league and um, give themselves every opportunity to improve in the areas that the coaches are discussed as possibly the reasons why they aren't in the squads. And, and those, uh, those players that do narrowly miss selection because it can always it can often be a, a razor-thin margin between making it and not making it. In those ex-interviews, like you mentioned, the coaches give them constructive feedback. Do these players get a strategic plan to better themselves for season 2023? Not uh, officially, Jono. Um, uh, when you talk about a strategic plan, you know, what, what they have to go back in, uh, and work on, some areas that they need to improve, some areas they need to continue to work on, um, it, it's done in a, at a verbal, in, in a verbal sense. Mm -hmm. um, so nothing official, um, written or otherwise, is given to the players, um, but more so just feedback over the phone. However, there is an opportunity for the player to, um, you know, come face-to-face -face with the coach, and that's always been offered to the players um, if they require further feedback uh, in a more official capacity. And you do have some that uh, will drop back into development squads as well. Is that, that right? Spot on, um, 60s. We've got a senior development squad which compiles mostly 15, 16, 17-year-olds, and um, some of the players that uh, did not make... Um, our um, 2022 Harold Matthews squad will transition um, into that squad. We've been fortunate that the senior development squad train every Tuesday and Thursday and will now participate in a four-game um, trial-based competition prior to our Harold Matthews Cup competition in readiness for 2023 Harold Matthews season. So they'll go back and train with that senior development squad and participate in those trial games, um, uh, which commence this week. And that'll give us a, a greater understanding as to what we're looking at for next year's Harold Matthews Cup, as well as watching them play in their junior rugby league um, um, competitions with their junior clubs. Now, it hasn't been a typical pre-season because there's been cancellations of trials and some restrictive COVID protocols. Nonetheless, are you happy with how the preparations have gone? I'm really happy that the coaches are happy and the players are at a, 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 a level of fitness which has been um, as good, if not better, than previous years. Um, whilst we may have lost a trial game here or there, uh, we're really pleased to say that it hasn't really impacted our training capacity. We haven't lost too many training sessions this year. So from a preparation point of view, um, the club, the coaches, the conditioners are quite happy where we're at um, in comparison to perhaps, uh, you know, alternate junior rep programs. Um, so, yeah, I'd have to say given the circumstances and given the previous two years, 
Um, I'm, I'm really happy where we are. And the other thing, 60s and Jono, is that every club is in a similar situation, so there's no real advantage or disadvantage. Everyone's on a, a reasonable playing or equal playing field. But certainly uh, the level of skill and the level of conditioning and speed and strength um, is as good as what we've had in the past. So, yes, mate, happy that we're ready to kick off round one and happy with the pre-season. Yeah, I think um, there was an article yesterday maybe that suggested that 80% of the NRLs had to deal with COVID infections at this point. So that obviously flows down to the juniors. And it's like you said, an even playing field across the uh, spectrum of the entire New South Wales rugby league. It's a... Uh, not ideal, but when everyone's dealing with the same issues, it's even at least. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, as I said, there's no real advantage or disadvantage to any club because everyone's in the same boat, more or less. Now let's uh, take a look at the uh, flag and SG board just quickly, mate. Three of uh, TCT's favourites in Big Larry, Margaret Tatia, Ethan Sanders and Charlie Geimer spent the pre-season training with the flag squad, but as of this week, they were formally announced in the SG ball team. What's the thinking there? Yeah, um, well, it coincides with round one of the Jersey Fleck season starting um, at round five of the normal New South Wales Rugby League SG ball competition starting. So we felt that it would be a good opportunity. Uh, whilst there wasn't a lot of footy played last year due to COVID, um, to give these younger players or eligible SG ball players that have been training up in the fleet, an opportunity to get some footy under their belt. And they've been rewarded with a pre-season with the Jersey fleet. And for them to go back um, and play SG ball, there are certain, you know, standards that they, that, that we would love them to meet. Um, and the reward for them is having the off-season with fleet, going back and playing um, in a mature way um, that they're required to play at a level that they would be um, you know, are more than competent in playing in, but in excelling in that level. And the reward for the back end of the season would be playing Jersey Fleet. So um, that's the thought process there. And the more um, training that they get, uh, the, the Jersey Fleet are a four-week, a four-day-a-week training regime, um, where the SG Ball are a three-day training regime. So they're getting some accelerated coaching, accelerated conditioning. We're seeing more, and I say this respectfully, more seasoned and more experienced staff um, in the, you know, Simon Walford, uh, ex-NRL player, um, expensive knowledge in rugby league. Um, you know, having that resource available would give them a little bit more of a, a, a different understanding or a broader understanding or a more experienced understanding. So that's the thought process. And you've suggested that there was three or four. There's actually um, a few more. There's a gentleman, Arthur Miller-Steven, um, the fullback that came from North Queensland. He's also gone back. Uh, Riley Lack, a 5'8", that's been training all pre-season. Obviously, you mentioned Ethan Sanders, Larry, and Mick Lanaz uh, is also another one uh, that will go back along with Charlie Dimer. So they've been rewarded with uh, pre-seasons with the fleet. We'll go back. Hopefully, they rip trees out of the ground. And their reward uh, for playing good football and SG ball is the team having success as well as um, um, them going on and playing a little bit of flag at the back end of the year. Now, you mentioned a few players there, but internally at least, Larry 
was uh, around in and around the flag program at the end of last year before uh, everything sort of round, uh, wound up. But Charlie and Ethan are making the, well, in terms of training at least, made the jump directly from Harold Matthews graduates to Jersey flag training. That's a pretty big leap. So that probably speaks well to their ability to handle that sort of pressure. Yeah, it certainly does, John. Also, you know, that, that's a um, that's probably something that's been less likely because of the age difference of what Harold Matthews used to be. That's right, with the jump that being jumped up. Older, yeah, it's a less of a, a jump in transition. Um, but yeah, um, we, we see their ability uh, to be enormous, and um, they hell, they challenged and handled the preseason beautifully, and we want them to go back and, and play, um, you know, um, like they have trained. Particularly, yeah. they played a number of games um, in the flag last year. The other two players that we decided to keep up in the Jersey flag was um, Jabril Kalaj. Um, Jabril will stay in the flag program, and we decided that it would be best for his own development to stay there. Mm-hmm. And um, the other one was uh, Blackburn from this outside back who we signed from Penrith. Yeah, recruit from um, out west. That's right. He's also of a younger age, but those two guys will stay up into the flag program at this stage. That's very exciting. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on circa a month and a bit from now when the flag kicks off, like you said, around round five of the junior rep programs. Absolutely. And, you know, what I, I want Simon uh, uh, making you know, comments that, you know, these guys are playing outstanding, so let's consider yeah. them. They yeah. go back and rip trees out of the ground and, and do everything asked, then they give themselves every opportunity to, you know, promote themselves or prom- get promoted to play um, Jersey Flex sooner rather than later. So the ball's in their court and the incentive is in their court. Well, let me ask you this as well, Joe. You keep saying Simon. Is that alien to you to, to call uh, Mr. Wolford Simon or like Mark O'Neill who mentioned that he's so used to calling him by his uh, popular nickname uh, from his NRL days? I can't call him Jim. I just don't have that. <laughs> Even if I sit with him every day and I sit beside him, I just can't resort <laughs> to the germ. So, yeah, when I'm referring to Simon, it is the germ. <laughs> So if he if he starts uh, pinching your stationery or just ribbing you in some way, maybe maybe it might become a little bit easier. <laughs> well, he's not the most clean person. What I mean by that, I'm a bit OCD, and particularly in our light things and things that start to creep from his desk onto my desk, finding um, glass and boots and dirty clothes all over my side. So it might come to fisticuffs, or I might be able to get him uh, or get to call him. <laughs> Yeah, because, um, yeah, he's just approaching a little bit too far on my side. Yes. Uh, I, Mate, I, reckon, I reckon you've got him covered in a dance-off. If <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there was some uh, high-quality footage on Instagram for those that want to go find it. For what, six uh, years ago, so it, it is, I, it is I, a stuff of legend. I related 50,000 hits, so we're doing something right. Any publicity is good publicity, right, guys? That's it, mate. Uh, mate, no, and, and the players loved it, so... Uh, but yeah, yeah, speaking speaking of Simon quickly, I am excited to see what he can do with the flag team this year because it's a, a very new look team, Joey, and we're going to have to wait and see how they sort of turn out come round one, but I am very keen to see how they uh, hold up. Yeah, we all are. Uh, they're certainly training hard, no different to any other team that's training in the Jersey flag program, but Simon's a little bit more hard-nosed um, than, than, than um, a lot of other Jersey flag coaches, which is good in, in a way because... 
um, sometimes egos can get in the way of, of, of good talent. And um, someone with experience as Simon uh, coaching the Super League and having the NRL career that he has um, just has a little bit of um, aura and uh, more respect around. So really looking forward to – and the boys are – um, really training well, and uh, um, they're accepting every challenge assignment Simon their way. Good stuff. Oh, mate, great and great coaching team to have uh, Simon Wolford alongside Craig Brennan in that uh, with that group. I'm glad you mentioned um, the King, uh, aka Craig Brennan, or Craig Brennan, aka the King, um, <laughs> because um, he's a great. Um, um, deputy for Simon um, at this stage. Simon is, you know, learning the processes and shapes and philosophies that we have in our club where um, Craig has lived and breathed them um, for seven years. So to have to work to each other, uh, with each other, is just a, a perfect combination. Yeah, yeah, I'm very pleased about that. And now, just finally on the, on the ball squad, they've got the coach and a large group of players from last year's grand final uh, Matt's team. Uh, what's your expectations for them for the season? Uh, uh, is is it a is it a team that will make the final series this year? Oh, look, that's that's too hard to say at this stage. Um, because it's a top six competition, um, and it's a quite a um, inexperienced side. What I mean by that, we've got a lot of new players to our club that haven't played SG Ball or Junior X, and we've got a lot of players that played in our Harrow Matthews program playing SG Ball. Um, we'll have a really good understanding and gauge as to where we are as a team this week, given that Roosters are a top two team. Um, Roosters uh, and Central Coast have combined to create the you know, a, a great recruitment strategy where their Harold Matthews Central Coast side and their Harold Matthews Roosters side both had reasonable seasons last year. Their SG Ball side at the Central Coast and the Roosters all performed um, very well last year. So when you've got those two districts, the Roosters and the Central Coast and the Matson Ball, and both faring very, very well in their respective programs last year, um, they're going to have a... a a quite a strong SG Ball squad and Harold Matthews squad. So our expectations are um, um, always favourable and always hopeful. Um, but, yeah, it's too hard given that it's only a short competition. It's too hard given it's a top six. And we don't know the result of injuries or how COVID's going to play or how players are going to go um, up and down to flag and uh, SG Ball respective. Um, but we'd certainly like to think that um, given all their players are available, that we're going to have a successful um, year. Yeah, and well, we did. I, I was just going to say we we saw a, an example of exactly what you're talking about with the SG Ball season last year, because in any other year they trot into the final series and they mm. and they and they performed exceptionally well against both of the the teams that featured in the grand final. Um, gave the Raiders an absolute hiding down in Canberra, but it only took one or two hiccups exactly. in the season and they were qualified mm -hmm. for the finals based on for and against. Um, it, was a, it was a tough season to miss out on the, the finals for them and um, and yet they had a really positive season. 
I think the call that uh, that's sure that broke the camel's back last year was the game that we played against Illawarra, where ironically was the first week that uh, Amon uh, Junior uh, who was going to play NRL that year. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And they, they dropped them back to SG Ball, <laughs> and um, and they just tore us apart in that second half. Um, and sure on the other foot, I mean, in the perfect world, you know, we we could have had uh, Jake, Sean, Samuel, Will. Um, in our SG ball side, let alone our Jersey flag side. So, you know what we can we can you know complain about and say you know it you know didn't work out for us or whatever the case may be. But it only takes one or two uh, games where you're off, and it could cost you a top six, which is exactly what you're talking about, sixties. And that's what happened this last year. And sixties uh, mentioned that it's that grand final class of uh, Harold Mass players together sort of pr- pushing through to a year young into the ball, which is exciting in and of itself. But you also mentioned some of those new faces, Arthur Miller-Steven at fullback, Riley Lack at 5'8". You've also got uh, Big Lance for Lima at prop forward. So there's a, a nice little mix of uh, fresh faces and, and sort of that pre-existing camaraderie from a, a, a team that's went to a grand final. Yeah, exactly. And it's a fresh side. Um, and that, that's what I was That's what I'm alluding to. We've got a lot of unknowns because we've got – a lot of players new to our club. Um, we've got some players that have just got from Flegg and we've got some younger players that are really young. So it's a dynamic that we're uncertain of. But um, what we are confident uh, of is that the players that we put out there in the Harold Matthews SG or Latasha Gale are fit and excited to play round one. Now, just going on to the Matt's team specifically now, the, the squad looks very strong and I thought that they... In the previous week's trial against the Panthers, I thought they were at least the equal of the Panthers, apart from a bit too much drop ball. I thought that was really costly in that trial match. Do they just put that down to being a trial and put it behind them and, and just move on? Is that is that the thinking there? The benefits of, of going from a squad of 40 to 25 is that you're going to have a lot more continuity and understanding in your um, in your rugby league knowledge with each other. And part of the problem that is created by the larger squads is that um, we're obligated as a club to provide opportunity for all 40 players to try. Um, and that affects your combinations and it affects your level of ability in what you're trying to achieve. I totally agree with the 60s. We, we completed at 31% in that first third um, and against a side who I personally think are a top two side in Penrith, um, we made it really difficult for ourselves. Um, uh, once the squad was selected by Chris and his staff, um, the the level of detail lifts considerably. So that's a focus point and has been a focal point um, since that Penrith trial game. So I, w- I would like to suggest that that was just a bad day at the office. I don't think you can complete 30% again or around 30% again in a third or a half or 40 because if you are, you're not going to win too many games. And the, when we did hold the ball um, 60s, we actually looked um, um, good with the footy. We were moving the ball, moving the defence, and uh, we looked quite smart. But, yeah, we could just put that down or hopefully we could just put that down to a, a bad day at the office. With, with, yeah, with that's, the that's that's why I said it. I, I thought we were at least the, uh, the equal of the of – of yeah. what the Panthers were uh, producing uh, on that day. But now I want to 
move on to another positive, which is the uh, the Tasha Gale team. And uh, I ha- haven't been able to see uh, any of their trial uh, matches, but um, I did watch a training session and I was impressed with their skill levels and also the pace of the backs in this year's team. Um, that trial against the Bears and the Panthers, um, just looking at the result alone, that was a revelation regarding the team's defence, like to keep a, uh, the score, the, both, both of the other teams scoreless. Is finals football a realistic goal for the girls this season? We spoke about it before, Sixty, that the top six thing, and um, um, you know, you, have, you only have to set one or two games um, for you to make it, or, or miss out, or play really well in one or two games to make it. And that's exactly the same with our Tasha Gale girls. The, the job that Ryan um, Ryan Walker and his staff have done um, in a really difficult environment um, with rugby league. These these young ladies. Some of them haven't played rugby league for more than two years. Some of them have only played rugby league for for only a year or so. So the level of coaching that these young ladies need to get up to a a safe and reasonable level um, is quite considerable. And what they've done is exactly what you're saying, 60s. Um, And they were rewarded with the benefits of that training ability um, in the trial game last week. Um, against North and uh, Penrith, as you just spoke about. Um, their level of training has gone up considerably in comparison to previous years. And I would like to think that in this Tashagawa program, you've got a really good top seven or eight teams and a, a, a group of seven or eight teams which probably are going to struggle to make the finals. We're just on that cusp there. And if we can perform uh, well in... The games were expected or, you know, considered about um, not going so well or not getting the two points, then we're going to give ourselves to, to get into fifth or sixth spot. Um, but then we've got to go worry about the other way, that we can't let the games that we feel that we're uh, in front of the other team or have more of an opportunity than the other teams to slip. But uh, we're going to be there or thereabouts. And um, we don't. it doesn't get any tougher than this, this week. We play the Indigenous Academy, Roosters. Um, which are the favourites to win the competition. So let's hope we get off to a good start, my friends. Well, I tell you what, if um, they wanted a, an early test of their defensive capabilities, you couldn't pick a, a better team than the Roosters Indigenous Academy because just based on what I, how I saw them play last season, they were. I thought that they were the best attacking team in the competition. They They did lose in the final from memory to... Was it St George? Yep. Yeah. And, um, but I tell you what, the brand of attacking football that um, they played against us in our in the match was something to behold for uh, you know women's rugby league. It, it was it was spectacular. Absolutely, mate. I couldn't agree with you more. They were a very dangerous team to play against. They could score from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, let's put the spotlight on Saturday, Joey, because as we mentioned, the Mats, Ball and Gale do start their action for their competitions respectively this weekend. Um, Sixty's already mentioned that it's been a disruptive preseason due to COVID, among other things. Um, how have the Eels been able to gather intelligence about the opposition teams for round one being the Roosters and the Roosters Indigenous Academy? And if that's the case, are they focusing on studying their opponents or is it more about taking care of your own systems in the first few weeks of the competition? Certainly the first week. John, it's more about 
getting your own backyard right and, and just making sure that um, your players and your systems are at a reasonable level given that level given that's the first game of the round. Um, there is footage available um, from other clubs. All clubs have to um, upload their footage um, on a platform that every club has availability to. So this is not really, you know, the best way to preview the opposition, as we said before, because they would have had squads of, you know, excess of uh, 35, 40 players. So it's not their true indicative of their um, um, starting 17 or, or top squad of 25. So it's more about starting um, and worrying about what we need to do well um, in our defence and our repeat efforts and our mental attitude and yeah. what we're trying to do collectively is um, And uh, I suppose like one of the key indicators for success will be, as you sort of mentioned in that trial against the Panthers, completion rates, right? Take, taking care of the ball is one of the uh, big avenues towards victory, especially early on in the season. Yeah, if, if it's it's a no-brainer. If you hold the ball, <laughs> it is a little bit straightforward, but that that's sometimes what football's about, isn't it? It's a, a complex game at certain levels, and it's very simple across a lot of macro levels too. It's incredibly simple. Um, the difficult thing is keeping the game simple, um, and you know there are other areas. You know there are other things that contribute to making the game more difficult and. Absolutely, completion rates and possession is key in rugby league because if you've got the ball and you're completing at a high level, you're going to be doing less defence. And yep. that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And uh, one last question before we let you go, Joe, because like we said, we know you're busy. Um, the junior reps draws can be, uh, for lack of a better word, fluid at times. They're sort of at the whims of availability and uh, the you know sort of venues having different things scheduled. But uh, for round one, can you clarify the times and venues for the opening round of the competition? Sure, Jono. Um, yeah, we've got a, a, a licorice all sorts this week because we've got the first round of our uh, round one trial um, for our senior development squad. Now, we've got um, uh, 35 players uh, playing against the Cronulla Sharks at Cronulla on Saturday, but uh, mixed in with that licorice all sorts, uh, a, a bag of lollies. We've got the um, the Harold Matthews Parramatta versus the Roosters at Mascot Oval at 10am on Saturday. Um, following the Harold Matthews, we've got the Indigenous um, Academy Roosters taking on our Parramatta girls at 11.30 at Mascot Oval. And uh, up the freeway on the Central Coast, we've got a standalone game for our SG ball taking on the Roosters at the wonderful Maury Brune Oval at Central Coast at 2pm. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll have action from uh, Mascot Oval for those two grades there on TCT. And I think next week, actually, the games might be live streamed, so you can uh, jump on there and catch them, which would be very cool for fans across all of Australia to be able to see our junior reps in action. But that's for next week to talk about. Joey, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And like I said, it's not lost on us that you're taking the time away from a very busy schedule to talk about the junior reps for us. I hope our fans are very appreciative because I know they are. Um, but yeah, mate, thank you for coming on board and yeah, don't get swamped too heavily because I know you are working very, very hard. Thanks, Jono, and thanks, Sixties, for the support that you give our club. And I just want to welcome um, and wish your listeners uh, a super season. And um, we, we we would we would love any support available from your listeners. Um, come out. Say good day, and um, yeah, thanks for all your support, guys. And I can't wait to see you on Saturday at Mascot Oval. Thank you, mate. Love you, Joey. Catch you next week. See you. Then. See you, guys.
And that puts uh, most of the wrap-up on another episode of The Tip Sheet. I hope you enjoyed it. Look forward to our coverage of the junior reps live from Mascot Oval, Mascot Oval, not Mascot Oval, Mascot Oval on Saturday. But before we wrap up, I've got a few shout-outs to give. 60s, you want to take it away from here, mate? Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Chris Warren and his Higher Ground program. Uh, Chris has been kind enough to invite me on to his program a number of times last season and uh, just this week. And there'll be more appearances during the season again this year. Talking about Parramatta, you'd know that if I've been invited onto the program, the, the club that I'm going to be talking about is Parramatta. So um, a shout-out to Chris. He's, that's on 1170 SEN. That's a, a sports radio program that's also available on podcasts. Give it a listen live, uh, late nights, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then uh, Sunday afternoons, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from uh, 9pm. And I believe on the weekends it's from uh, midday on a Sunday. So uh, give it a listen. Or if you can't give it a listen live, have a listen to the uh, podcast. Not just when I'm on there, of <laughs> course, <laughs> but, um, but at, at all times because he has an interesting uh, range of guests. And, and, and Chris has spent a lifetime in and around sport, uh, absolutely loves it, covers a range of sports in his in his background, in his knowledge, and um, has some great guests that are on there, um, some of the athletes, and, and you get some really good insights into and, the into the game as well. And um, and the opportunity, of course, to call in and, and speak with with uh, Chris during his program. And to be perfectly frank, given how much drivel there is on mainstream radio these days, having a properly dedicated sports show that actually knows what it's talking about is a pretty uh, strong platform in and of itself. So, yeah, tune in and listen to uh, SEN and Chris and, and you know, enjoy the programming. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that'll uh, bring us to a conclusion ourselves, mate. As always, thanks for stopping by and having a listen. Hope you enjoyed our sort of ramble about the preseason training and the rule changes before Joey came on board to give us a bit of direction of the junior reps. And we'll uh, catch you guys next week because we're going to have – I believe a team list announced for the trial. Is, is that right? Uh, it's, uh, it should be, shouldn't it? Yeah, I believe it will be a team list Tuesday next week. So exciting times as we move into the final um, gears of the preseason and start to figure out how that uh, round one seventeen starts to take shape. Uh, keep all well, guys. Catch you next episode. See ya.